0: Welcome to episode 41 of The Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by Akash. As always, Akash, how are you?
1: Yo, KP, how are you doing, man? OTAs are here. It is. Second day of
0: OTAs just finished up, so we are recording this Tuesday afternoon. Kyle Shanahan just got done speaking to the media, as did George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Fred Warner. So uh, we had some of the stars today Speak, and we got some good information from then and obviously from Shanahan. So let's run down the list, Akash, of everything that went down. So naturally, people are going to want to talk about the quarterbacks, but we will save them for last because I feel like, you know, that there wasn't a lot to glean from the information that we got today. So uh, let's start with the players who did not participate. So Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Alex Barrett, Weston Richbird, Nathan Jerry, Marcel Harris, Jeff Wilson, Chacusky Tart, Jalen Hurd, and Robbie gold. So let's start with the one that stands out, Wesson Richburg. He officially retired, Kyle Shanahan said. And for those of you that remember, the team already did save just under seven million dollars back in March. And the 49ers were on the hook for his base salary, but Akash is our resident salary cap guy. So I will let him take care of that part and just Richburg officially retiring. But it won't take it won't take place until the transaction wire hits in June one, after June one.
1: Yeah, so basically, what they did back in March, if I remember correctly, they just wiped out uh, Weston Richburg's base salary down to the league minimum, and they saved that cash. Uh, unfortunately, they will Weston Richburg will retire after June first, so I think they'll save like a little over a million dollars this year, and then some extra cash next year. So all in all, the Niners come out ahead, uh, which is a good thing for a player that was hurt, missed time last season and wasn't going to suit up this season. And the 49ers, I think I think they restructured him a couple seasons ago to save some money against the cap. So it could have been disastrous if Weston Richburg hadn't you know, chosen to cooperate with them and restructure his contract and then retire per plan. And so all in all, 49ers come out ahead, which is all that matters.
0: Yeah, and just speaking of those restructures, they had to jump through some hoops in order to save money on this contract because if we're just talking about the player – Weston Richburg was excellent as a center. He's probably one of the seven best centers in the league, which does make a difference, especially in this offense. But as you mentioned, if you do not play, that doesn't matter. So good on the 49ers for, you know, being yeah. able to restructure his contract in a way with, that they were able to get ahead. But man, it was not easy to do that.
1: No, no. And, you know, you and I had talked before free agency, and the two contracts that were always brought up was Weston Richburg and D Ford. Two guys that the 49ers had restructured, two players that had gotten hurt, two players that had their futures in question, and everyone was wondering how Parag Morathe and the 49ers front office was going to figure out you know, how to save some money against the cap, especially when the cap went down and they had all these free agents. But uh, kudos to the front office. They did what they had to do. Um, They didn't compound the mistakes that they had made previously in restructuring these guys they did two separate things for richburg and ford richburg obviously that is going to retire ford they basically wiped out his contract gave him a new one and uh yeah maybe we'll hit on it next and what kyle shanahan thinks of a potential d ford return
0: yeah so let's talk about d ford that was a name and is a name that we will continue to talk about because everybody wants to see him on the field what does d ford look like is he healthy will he be able to produce in 2021 so Kyle Shanahan said Ford has quote been putting in a lot of work and we feel like it's going in the right direction end quote. And he said that we can't expect to see D Ford on the field by training camp, which officially will be at the end of July, like July 27 or 31 I believe. Um, so that is big news. If it is indeed, you know, if he is going to be a guy that the 49ers can count on. So you ma- you have to imagine if he's going to play that early, then, you know, he'll be able to be a starter at least. So, uh, Shanahan did say he joked around how the team had to kick him out of the facility because he has been there so much. So, uh, what can we buy this? Can we count on D Ford in 2021?
1: Kyle Shanahan is honest when it comes to these types of things. He will typically tell you just like it is. But given D Ford, given the fact that his injury was a backslash neck injury, and no one really knew exactly what it was, the 49ers were super vague last year when he got hurt. You know, he played like the first couple games. Then he got hurt, and they just were vague. He kind of disappeared, didn't really talk to the media, was just, you know, uh, in and out. And now we still don't know what his exact injury is, but now they're saying that he's kind of back to health. So, you know, we'll get a chance to see him probably in training camp or later, and that'll give us an idea of actually seeing how he moves uh, when pads are on and when you actually have to hit guys and things of that nature. But until he takes the field, I think you, you really can't take these uh, words at, face value. I think you have to take him with a bit of grain of salt, but given what they've done, you know, they couldn't get rid of D Ford entirely. So whatever they get with D Ford this year is found money. Even if that's just a handful of snaps, every game, he's like a designated pass rusher, whatever it is, it's found money. And I think you can live with that. If you're the 49ers,
0: the good news with Ford is he's not a Samson. Ebucom. he has rushed the passer his entire career. So uh, these reps, he's not really missing out. So to say on, reps he's not he doesn't need to learn anything new so i guess if you're looking at it from the optimistic point of view that helps ford but yeah we just we have to see him because he does unlock a level to this defense and he would help a guy like samson ebukam i imagine kind of slow roll back into you know being a full-time player so let's talk about nick bosa who is training back home in florida with his brother joey and their trainer Shannon said he didn't want to disrupt Nick Bosa's routine. And he said the two sides have been in constant contact dating back since February, pretty much. So he seemed pretty excited. Uh, He also expected that Nick Bosa will show up, show up sooner than D4. He expects him back sometime during OTAs and Bosa will be ready to rock come training camp. So that's big because, you know, the the one question I have about Bosa is how is he going to look week one, two, three, four? Like, how's that first month of the season going to be? Will he have his legs underneath him? Uh, We'll, and that's where another guy like Ford or Ebucom will come into play where you don't have to overplay Bosa and kind of get him tired. So what do you think about Bosa's progress and what do you expect to see from him early on?
1: We knew he was not going to show up to the early part of OTAs. I think when we saw the pictures and the videos that the 49ers main account tweeted out last week, he was the one prominent player missing. And we were like, okay. Maybe you just want to stay back in Florida. And I, I get that. If you're training on the beach, if you're out in Florida, no part of you wants to come out to Santa Clara and work with the team. And I understand that. I think he has his own routine with uh, his older brother, and he's rehabbing there. And I think the 49ers are all right with that. And we got to remember these are these are optional. These are optional organized team activities. They're they're not mandatory by any means. So, um, And I don't think Nick Bosa was one of the players that had a workout bonus, so he had no financial incentive to be here as well. Um, the rest of the guys just choose to work out here. Um, and if you're a player like Nick Bosa, you know, knock on wood, hope nothing happens, but you can risk, you know, working out off the facility and not having like a Jawan James type, type situation. So I think the Fortnite have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. Uh, just hope he comes back healthy and he's ready to rock when week one rolls around. We do anticipate him having a very slow ramp up coming off the ACL injury. Typically, you know, it takes that first entire year feels kind of slow right with some of the guys uh, that come off that injury but just given Bosa's physical freakish talent I expect that at some point next season hopefully midway on he can be more of the 2019 version of Nick Bosa uh, and dominate.
0: it's funny that you bring up just the risk of walking or just the risk in general of not being on the field or not being on at the practice really yeah. because Fred Warner said the reason he did show up is, you know, just to be there for his team and what they're building. And he said that I could get hurt just walking across the street. So uh, speaking of Fred Warner, Kyle Shannon said he wants him to be around forever. Fred Warner said he wants to be a Niner for life. Uh, Fred Warner also had a very cliche quote (laughs) where he said rent is due every single day. He
1: says that a lot. I've heard him say that before and everybody just eats it up. Every time, too. Kudos to him. Yeah.
0: He, uh, he knows the moneymaker. He he, yep, yep. Uh, he knows the pulse. So, Fred Warner, congrats on getting engaged. He will be a married man soon. They actually joked around about um, the housing prices too and everything. But uh, Fred Warner, I think uh, Shannon said that he expects something to get going sooner than later, which means we could see a contract for Fred Warner. A report came out last week. It was about Darius Leonard getting paid first and how that can kind of mix things up between these two. Um, Do you think that's going to have any effect on what Fred Warner makes? Because there's a real chance that he gets paid $20 million
1: per season. Ironically, so after this report came out, I I tweeted something along the lines of, yeah, if you're in Fred Warner's camp, you want to wait for Darius Leonard's new contract to come out because that will then become the floor for any negotiation with the 49ers. And if you're the 49ers, you want to get ahead of Darius Leonard's deal and make a deal with Fred Warner because you will use Bobby Wagner's old deal as kind of the floor uh, for negotiation, right? That's just how contracts go. Every time a player, especially of this magnitude, signs a contract, it just the number just keeps going up and up and up and up. So I'm sure there's kind of like a staring contest between Darius Leonard's camp and Fred Warner's camp of like, hey, you make the move first because then the other player is really just going to benefit off of that. And I'm sure their contracts will look very similar. Um, even though we both think that Fred Warner's a better player, but we also like Darius Leonard, I think, as a linebacker. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, so I tweeted something along those lines, and Fred Warner's dad, who's actually pretty active on social media, yes. out of the blue, out of the blue, liked it yesterday, and I tweeted it like two weeks ago or whatever when the report came out, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Fred Warner Sr., big name searcher
0: of his son. Um, yes. does like to comment is actually pretty entertaining. I don't mind when family members do that, as long as they're not. I, I don't either. Top, um, as long as they're not Lamar Ball in it. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> no, that's pretty funny. So uh, we do have to talk about the wide receivers and one who has been around um, the 49ers land for a while as far as just the rumor mill goes. And then the legend, the man, the myth, Jalen Hurd, who – that legend is going to grow. Shannon said he expects him to be ready for training camp, so that will be a third receiver. I'm fascinated by her just because 230-pound wide receiver, runs a 4-5, just big, strong, and he's finally going to be healthy. Like he was off to the side working at practice today. But you have to expect if he's going to be ready by training camp, I want to see what really matters here is what do the reps look like for the receivers? Is it going to be Jalen Hurd, is it going to be Richie James? Is it going to be Trent Shurfield? Um, we'll just be like a mix of all of these guys, including Travis Benjamin. And then, you know, <laughs> uh, so to say, you throw out a stake, whoever gets it, like whoever these dogs get it, like you have to make them earn it. And I, I imagine they will all have their opportunity. But Jalen Hurd was picked 67th overall. You want to get something back from your investment. And that that is a pretty high pick, in my opinion. I, I listed some names that were picked between 65 and 70. Fred Warner was picked between 65 and 70. So, yeah, you want to get some, you know, some production out of that. So what do you think the team is going to get from Jalen Hurd this year? And do you think he will be kind of slow played back into it, even though Shannon said he'll be ready to roll come training camp?
1: He's in the D Ford camp, in my opinion, where they've both had huge injuries. And Jalen Hurd specifically has had them in back-to-back seasons, right? He had the back injury two years ago, the ACL last year. Luckily, I think his ACL injury was like early in the offseason. It was before, I believe it was before training camp had begun. So it was like in late July, early August, I think. So he's he should be well ahead of the normal ACL recovery timeline. Um, like if you think Nick Bosa is well on schedule to make training camp, then Jalen Hurd, in theory, just for the ACL injury, should be on track to return, but uh you know when he was drafted 67th overall and we were looking at his combine numbers right his um you know short area burst and quickness and change of direction was really really good and coming off of an acl injury a major knee injury like how are those you know things going to be different is he going to be as quick is this burst going to be there can he be that physical freak that you know the 49ers expected him to be when they drafted him in the third round that that would be the question, and you know, obviously, none of those questions are gonna be answered in training camp. Maybe you get a little taste of it in preseason. That's all we've kind of seen of him. That one play against the Cowboys, I think, in that preseason game where he like trucked somebody on the way to uh, to a touchdown. So hopefully, uh, we get to see some of that in training camp or in preseason. Excuse me. I imagine he gets slow played. Uh, I'm sure he'll be on like the D Ford plan where they'll slowly work him into it. They want to make sure that. They don't put his health at risk. But I, again, I think you, if you get anything from Heard, anything from Ford, it's found money. I think they're just both kind of in the same bucket um, for different reasons, right? Ford, they've poured a lot of money into him. Heard, high draft capital uh, in taking him. So anything you get out of those guys because of their injuries found money, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. So he did have that one catch in the back of the end zone, too, where he mossed the guy. So he has... True. The, he has two plays that have made him a legend, and it's so difficult for a lot of people, probably including myself in for a little bit, just because we have those plays as the only thing in our minds of who Jalen Hurd is or who he potentially could be. But as you mentioned, the injury, so he's more of a myth than anything at this point, and we keep talking about wide receiver three because there are so many question marks, which leads us to Julio Jones, and there was never going to be, a chance where Shanahan was not asked about Julio Jones. He did dance around the question just because he legally can't talk about him in this certain context. But Shanahan did say, you know, he'd be interested in any of his former players in which he has a good relationship. And he said, quote, we're always interested in improving our team. I would never say we're just done in quote. And that all but confirmed Julio to the Niners, maybe. So where do you think Julio plays in 2021? Because, As most people have seen by now, I'm sure Shannon Sharp just kind of called him on on live on air and said, uh, asked him his plans. And he said he's not going back to Atlanta. So with that in mind, you know, there's a report about Julio wants to play with Cam. I've seen the Titans as the betting favorites to land Julio. Um, He's it's all over the map. So where do you think he plays in 2021?
1: First off, on the the Shannon Sharp, Julio Jones thing, I thought it was funny that a lot of people thought that Shannon Sharp, a former NFL player, Hall of Famer, right, just tight with a lot of current players still, would put Julio Jones in the spot like that, and you know, TV show, entertainment, you know, they knew what they were doing, Um, I'm sure the whole thing was a little planned, it was staged to make it seem like Julio was kind of caught off guard maybe, and that Shannon was just calling him off deck, but you know, Albert Breer had the report in the, in MMQB that morning. I think that uh, Julio was the one that had asked out and the Falcons had been sniffing around for a month looking for a first-round pick. So there, there's been rumblings, I think, in the NFL circles for a month or at least since the draft that Julio wants out. And so I, I think the whole Shanna julio Jones thing has been like taken off on a tangent, like making Julio seem like he got screwed or whatever. I don't think that's the case. But back to where Julio plays, I think he plays for the Patriots. Oh, yeah. I think his relationship with Cam Newton um, and the fact that Bill Belichick, aggressive, uh, could obviously use the help at receiver even though they've added guys like Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. I just think he ends up with with uh, a team like that. I can't see him coming to the 49ers as much as Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are aggressive. I just think they've given up too much draft capital already and, and some of the other moves they've made. And the salary cap space, it would, you know, that they would need to open in order to fit Julio Jones salary also requires some tinkering uh, with some of their current contracts. And I don't know if all that is worth it to go get Julio Jones. When I think what they realistically need is just some, a veteran wide receiver, but not someone of Julio's caliber necessarily.
0: So what would you do at receiver? Would you make any moves? Would you just let the Richie James, the Jalen Hurds, would you let them duke it out or would you make a move? What, what are you thinking?
1: I think this would be very similar to 2019, where you roll into the season with these young guys. You see how the season starts out. Maybe all of a sudden you get on a hot roll, and next thing you know, you're six and two, seven and three, whatever. And maybe you need a receiver at that point. And then you have like an Emmanuel Sanders like trade. I think there are different areas where this team could use some help. And secondary and receiver are probably the two biggest question marks. And depending how maybe injuries go, how those guys play, I think you could help you know, either of those position groups with a trade during the season and not necessarily trying to make a move right now and really swing for the fences. I think this is one of those offseason dreams where fans just love Julio Jones. and He just has the name brand, all pro guy, future Hall of Famer. And they're like, imagine him with the 49ers. But I just don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense Uh, when you factor in the cost it'll take to acquire him, the cost it'll take to keep him, uh, regardless if I think he's going to be great or not. Uh, in the next few years, what what do you, would you, if it was like a second round pick and a third round pick and you just had to restructure a few, few contracts, to go get Julio Jones, would you go ahead and do that? So
0: I think Julio is still an elite player. So just with that in mind, yes. I know he has a bad rap because, you know, he played nine games, but the two seasons prior to that, I think he only missed like one or two games. So he's always banged up and on the injury report. So I think people think he misses a lot of time but he really doesn't. He plays through a lot. He, he just seems he like does. he gives that Definitely. team everything he has. But he's 32, and you would think people think he like runs a 5-flat 40, he's super slow, he's not effective. Uh, no, he's still like an all-pro level ride receiver, and because he wins with speed just because he's a unicorn, I think he's the type of player, even at like 36, four years from now, you know, given he stays healthy, he can win with his route running because he is that good of a route runner. So I would have no issue um, moving draft picks to get Julio Jones. I also understand, you know, you, you're going all in, so you better freaking win. Um, so there's yeah. always that give and take of that risk you, you have there. Um, I do like the idea, actually, of rolling into this season and kind of seeing where you have the first half, whether, yeah. you know, one of these guys step up. Because if it's Brent Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle, and you're just rolling and your defense is as good as we think that they will be, and maybe we're making far too big of a deal about the wide receiver three yeah. because, I mean, how many teams would kill to have just three legitimate pass catchers like that to go along with what we imagine will be a really good offensive line, and then you have the running game who's going to take a step forward as well. So uh, perhaps we're putting too much on the wide receiver three. But I'm all about go get the good players, man, and and that is Julio Jones. He's going to be a special player. He would put uh, he would just take the pressure off of you know guys like Debo Samuel to you know have to be just have to be that top tier type of guy. And you can kind of relegate him to like a jet sweep motion guy and sprinkle him into the offense instead of force feeding him the ball. So um, I was, I didn't want to interject uh, when you're talking about Fred Warner and Darius Leonard, but this conversation drives me insane because Fred Warner is so much better than Darius Leonard. And I'm the furthest thing anybody, nobody would confuse me with the Homer, but if you just were to watch the two, they're playing two different sports. I actually have numbers on the two. Because people just like numbers. But if you're just watching what they did on the field alone, you would never come away with the fact that Leonard was in the same ballpark as Warner. However, I have some numbers for you fine listeners. Fred Warner blitzed and got pressured 26.6% of the time in 2020. Darius Leonard was 5% lower. Darius Leonard hit the quarterback 8.5% of the time. Fred Warner hit the quarterback double that 16.6% of the time. Uh, their yards per target, Fred Warner, 4.6, Darius Leonard, 8.7. Uh, their average depth of tackle, 3.8 for Warner, 4.5 for uh Leonard. Their completion percentage, 52% is how many is the completion percentage Warner gave up, which is unreal. Darius Leonard gave up an 85% completion percentage. Everything about these two, from the numbers to what they do on the field to how aggressive they are to just tackling in general, uh, it's not the same. And congrats for Darius Leonard to get paid. But if I'm going to dish out that much money to a linebacker, he better be at Fred Warner's level. And I cannot say that for Leonard. With that in mind, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about quarterbacks. All right. And naturally, there were questions centered around the quarterback position. Rightfully so. The 49ers did draft a quarterback. So um, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo. And from there, people just wanted to ask Shanahan, Everything about it. My favorite part is just the rush to judgment for analysis on these quarterbacks. They're asking Kyle, what did you see? Um, Was Trey Lance everything you thought he was? Uh, Like, what is he supposed to say? Because we're two days into OTAs. It's, it's mind boggling to me. Um, How do you feel about the overreactions in general? Just from, I mean, we're going to do it too. Like we're going to create content. People want to know, which is fair, how their third overall pick looks. Yeah,
1: you know, based on the all 22 that we got special from the 49ers communication department. We reviewed it. We saw Trey Lance reached his fourth read four times. You know, his average depth of target was better than Jimmy Garoppolo's. I mean, I'm I'm joking. Uh, just being sarcastic. I mean, I think they made what? I think Trey Lance had three throws in like the in the 7 on 7 period, is that right? Right. And he was 2 of 3. I think Jimmy Garoppolo was 2 of 2. I heard Trey Lance had a nice throw to Brandon Aiyuk uh that Ayuk had like a diving catch on as as trey lance was rolling out on like a bootleg play uh our friend grant Cohn also said trey lance threw an interception hey. um during some team drills and he airmailed a pass high i think um and some other people said the defense played well and i think trey lance just sailed it out of bounds uh avoid you know making like a tight window throw or whatever so it's day two. They're not even in pads. They're in shorts and a T-shirt. I don't think you can take anything away from it. But, of course, I think this is Kyle Shanahan's, what, first time speaking with the media since post-draft, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm sure everyone wants to know how, how Trey Lance is in the building, how he's doing in the film room, how he's doing in the meetings, all that kind of stuff, um, and just try to get as much Trey Lance content as possible. But I don't think there's anything you could read into it.
0: Yeah, like he threw the ball, what? three times. Yeah. That should be enough. Uh, Kyle Shannon talked about how just on Tuesday, there were only 12 plays during team and seven reps during seven on seven where either Jimmy G or Lance actually were on the field in itself. So I wouldn't read too much into it. What I would read into it is when we get quotes from the players as far as you know reps or if there's something that stands out, whether that's from Jimmy or Trey. So, George Kittle, during his media availability on Tuesday, said that Lance on Mon- during Monday's practice he found a uh, tight end, I believe, is Daniel Helm, where he was running a deep corner route on a rollout, so like on a bootleg, which you know we're going to see more of that. And he said that was the last place that he expected the ball to go, and just because that's your last read on the play. And Lance ended up finding Helm for a big play. So as I mentioned, those are the quotes that we need to hold on to when people are asking about Jimmy's ankle. Uh, Kyle said. Jimmy's ankle is fine. He doesn't ask him because it looks so good. Uh, yeah, it's May. It better look fine. Um, I'm interested to see just how competitive Jimmy is, uh, how he treats Trey Lance. Uh, is it going to be like a pupil? Is it going to be, you know, hey, I'm your competitor. I'm going to beat you out. Um, I'm going to help you along the way, but it's not sweet, essentially. So uh, that's what I want to see from just the dynamic in that relationship. What are you looking forward to seeing?
1: I can't believe someone asked about Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle. I mean, we were there in Seattle when he re-injured it. It was, what, late late November, mid-November, something like that? Right. And we're in May 2021. It's been like (laughs) six months since that. If there's something still wrong with the ankle, we've got problems. Yeah. I mean, you saw him in Arizona. He was running around fine then. So (laughs) I can't believe we're still talking about the ankle uh considering it it was just a sprained ankle. It wasn't like an ACL or some just like giant rehab process that he had to go through during the offseason. So that's funny to me. Um with the Jimmy Garoppolo Trey Lance relationship, I mean, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo gets any extra credit for being like a good teammate. Right. I mean, this is the situation he's put in. He's just that's he's got to deal with that. I, he can't, you know, bitch and moan about oh uh, you can't be like Aaron Rodgers. Like, oh man, they've got this young quarterback behind me. He hasn't played you know, enough to have those type of reactions or opinions. He just has to go out there and compete, try to win the starting job, and go out and win ball games for this team. That, that's all that matters. I don't need to hear anything from Jimmy Garoppolo about what he thinks of Trey Lance or how he's feeling or anything like that. Dude, We enough of that. Like, just go out there, play football, win some games, and then we'll talk about it uh, after the fact. Just Just the fact that he hasn't stayed enough on the field has led to this situation. And so I don't think he should have any say in uh, any of that stuff.
0: So I don't I don't mind when Grant tweeted out or just when, when he's telling people that Trey Lance threw an interception. I know it's practice. If We do that for Jimmy. We do that for Nick Mullins. We do that for CJ Beathard. So it's going to happen for Trey Lance, too. Um, I wouldn't read too much into it. As I mentioned, it's more of, you know, where they are going with the ball. But, yeah, with Jimmy, he just has to play. It's going to be fluff season for Trey Lance. It's going to be fluff season for Jimmy Garoppolo, especially in these practices where they are controlled. You know the plays. You know what the defense is running. You want to see what kind of look you get. And, I mean, if if we're seeing over and over where uh, Trey Lance is maybe ahead or we keep getting quotes like we got from George Kittle on Tuesday where, hey, I didn't know he was going to throw that ball. Essentially what I took from Kittle's words were uh, we're not used to seeing that. So he's able to take a you know make that throw down the field that's big so that's what I would look for more so than you know what Jimmy Garoppolo's completion percentage was uh, yeah. how many touchdowns did Trey Lance throw in the red zone like of course he's going to throw touchdowns they are down there and they are going to you know manipulate the plays and the calls so he can be successful those are the things that I will be looking for um are there any position battles outside of quarterback that intrigue you because I did ask Fred Warner about one where Uh, The third linebacker spot is kind of intriguing. I know neither of those two will be on the field very much, but Demetrius Vandengan-Foles just versus Aziz Shahir. that's a good one. Uh, Do you have any?
1: A defensive line. I mean, they've got a ton of bodies in that position group, and there's going to be just no way for them to keep everyone. So especially along the interior, I know they're pretty deep there. So I'm interested to see who wins that battle out, how Javon Kinlaw looks in year two. I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about Javon Kinlaw. A lot of focus on the receiver, Trey Lance, understandably, and and the secondary. Yet no one's talking about the guy that they picked 14th overall last season, Javon Kinlaw. Had a good rookie season, but you would expect more from him going into year two, and it looks like he's been working hard in the facility and and staying in in the Bay Area during the offseason. So looking forward to probably the defensive line and seeing how that shakes out.
0: Yeah, if they can get in. If Kinlaw can take the next step, you said he was good. I wouldn't go that far. I would say he was fine. To be fair, that is a very difficult position to translate to because you're not going against um, guys who are just on partial scholarship or guys who just were redshirt freshmen. You're going against the best of the best. So that's why most defensive linemen struggle, and I think we were spoiled with Nick Bosa during his rookie year, and that just ruined everyone's expectations. But, yeah, Kinlaw is a very interesting one. Because he has the talent. like He was picked that high for a reason. Now it's just about unlocking that talent because, uh, he, I mean, he was dealt a bad hand just having to follow in DeForest Buckner's footsteps. Yeah. But, again, there's plenty of talent around him, and all he needs to do is just put it all together. So uh, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, is there anything else that we need to talk about?
1: So the 49ers have OTAs, I think, the next two weeks. Uh, they have media sessions, uh, I think, one day each of the next two weeks. I think next week we'll hear from D'Amico Ryans, I believe, which will be the first time, which is going to be very cool, right. uh, the new defensive coordinator for the, the 49ers. And then I think the week after that we'll hear from Mike McDaniel, uh, which might be the first time since the Super Bowl that we've heard from him, uh, which will also be pretty cool because uh, I think he's now the he's officially the offensive coordinator And uh, those guys hopefully will get media availability consistently. Uh, I think Kyle's been pretty good about that in the in the past, was giving his coordinators uh, some shine. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to more stuff from OTAs. As always, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast, Niners Nation Podcast Network, wherever you get it: Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever. Please rate us five stars, give us a review, drop any comments. We appreciate you guys for listening. Also subscribe to the YouTube page at Niners Nation. Uh, We hope to do more live videos. You can always find me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Kyle, where can they find you on the Twitters?
0: You can find me at KP underscore show. And
1: with that, go Niners.